What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we got to bring on Locked On Padres host Javier Reyes to break down the series, talk about how Tatis is looking in his return, talk about the struggles of Soto and Machado. I think he wants to get some mad bum jokes off his chest as well. Discussing all that on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM, Average dreamed of being an MLB GM and managing your baseball franchise, then this game is definitely for you to download the game. Just visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a hundred percent free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on all caps in the game store. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast, multimedia journalist, and graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work for my packages, to my articles, to my photos, and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Locked On Dimebacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. Would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends and one of those platforms is youtube so please hit subscribe on the locked on dimebacks youtube channel but without further ado to break down this series talk about how the d-backs once again lost to the san diego padres three out of four times here is the man himself locked on padres host javier reyes how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much uh-huh. for asking. Really good times. I am. Uh-huh. Um, look, and, and and in fairness, I will say this. This is the first time in a while that I think we've done a pod where both of our teams. I know I'm not even just trying to be like that snarky jerk who just won the series, uh-huh. but uh-huh. the Diamondbacks are in a really good vibe and situation right now. And we're going to talk about one of them that I can't wait to talk about addition by subtraction. You know what I mean? We're going to talk about the, the mad bum later, but like, you know, the, the D backs have a lot of exciting t- um, players and they've beaten up on really good teams. They, they weren't able to beat the Padres this time. That's just a, Weird matchup thing, right? Like the Padres yeah. can't beat the Rockies and the Diamondbacks can't beat the Padres, yet the D-backs just throttled the crap out of the Dodgers beforehand. So I, I think we're in like a really good like kind of vibe. I don't know. What do you think, man? I think we're in a good vibe. You know, is it too early to say, hey, let's look at those standings once again? D-backs still in first place, even after losing three out of four. But of course, their biggest nemesis over the last few years has either been the Dodgers <laughs> or Padres. They've kind of conquered the Dodgers this season, but the Padres, once again, have been that thorn in the D-back side. And it's really disappointing to see because entering this series, like you said, the vibes have been good. Feels like this is like the first like competitive series in a while. And even though the Padres took three out of four from the D-backs, I think it felt like a much closer 
closer series than that, than the final just three to one score that you see there, because I mean, quietly, the D-backs did outscore the Padres in the series. And of course, a lot of that was because they outscored them nine to two, nine to zero in game two, which is like the main beneficiary to that run differential there. But even outside of that, it's like all the other three games are two run ball games where it's like coming down to the wire. Maybe the D-backs offense was able to do enough late or maybe a guy like Hassan Kim on the Padres side was able to Mm -hmm. clutch it up in one of those games. So I felt like this was a close series. And even though the D-backs lost three out of four, I think it was still... A series where, like, yeah, you went at, you went in there, you faced the San Diego Padres at home, and you battled with them, and then it was a close series. Even though you lose three out of four, I think competitively you feel like you're not as – the gap has definitely closed between the Padres and D-backs as opposed to the last couple of seasons where it felt like these two teams were on two different playing levels and maybe playing in two different sports. Yeah, and, and I still think that – and a lot of people – so like the pods are much better than the Diamondbacks, but there's definitely a route where certain things can happen and then you could have a trade deadline and you can have maybe more prospects get called up and guys who just start to play better. You know what I mean? Like your, your Gabriel Marinos uh, for the D-backs, right? Like there's guys that are on that team, obviously Corbin Carroll kind of being the big one, you know, Christian Walker, who's had a slow start to the season. Maybe he yeah. hits a bomb, an absolute nuke in this game against the pods. Maybe that gets him going. So it's, it's not a laughing stock. It's not even remotely a laughing stock the way that, say, the Rockies feel right now, right? Where it's yeah. just that series and those games are just like, you got to beat that team. Of course, the Padres for some reason can't. But uh, yeah, very close. And I think that the D-backs have a lot to be excited about. And although it doesn't look like it now because you see those big names on the Padres with your Machados and Bogarts and the return of Fernando Tatis Jr., which we somehow, yeah. I take blame for not managing to to just insert his name in the Already. in the first 5 minutes of this podcast to be honest with you but you know you've got him and then you've got Soto and Xander right like despite those names i think that the D-backs absolutely can be a force to be reckoned with reckoned with in the in the upcoming years and i think that look i'm thrilled that they don't have to play each other for at least until august uh, i believe mm-hmm. is the next time that they play i love yeah. that thank you i don't want to play this team it is a really tough match same Padres because of the speed on the base paths and all that stuff right like there's such a just like almost old school type of team outside of like a a walker basically it's just Mm -hmm. all these slap you know hitters and whatnot (laughs) crazy speed good defense as well but like it's uh it's it's a tough team man it's a tough team I'm glad to be glad to be rid of them at least for a little bit yeah, D-backs definitely try to win with chaotic energy, just trying to slap extra base hits and yeah. get men on the bases <laughs> and just try to dance out there when you're on the base pass and get those yeah. pitchers off rhythm. And they weren't able to do that as much as they want to probably in this series, but they were able to get a whole bunch of base hits and generate a bunch of offense. I just felt like a lot of these D-back starting pitchers outside of Zach Gallen were – You know, definitely in those first innings, like the Padres hitters were coming alive against the D-back starters like Ryan Nelson in game one. Merrill Kelly was giving up a ton of walks. Dre Jameson could barely get out the first inning today. Like it felt like the Padres were able to start off to really quick starts in this in these ballgames in this series. That what's led to a lot of their um, offense and success in this series. But how do you think Fernando Tatis Jr. looked? Because he definitely looked like he was a little bit aggressive up out there. And I think a part of it's because he hasn't played baseball in like 600 days. So he's like, if I see a pitch coming my way, I'm swinging the bat regardless. Like, I don't think he's out there waiting for his pitch right now in this moment. So you tell me about how you think about it. Oh, it's so funny. First of all, it's great uh, seeing him back. It's lovely. I I wrote about it for Just Baseball if people want to check it out about the whole, you know, just him being back, what it means for this team that has struggled uh, mightily, especially with Soto and Machado, uh, not really playing like superstars at all, especially with, 
the former being talked about a lot with Soto. Everyone's talking about his batting average and whatnot mm. for good reason. And Tatis, hopefully he can be the spark. And then just the whole, you know, how is he going to be received because of the steroids and all that stuff? Like it's a whole thing to untangle that is really, really complicated, I think. And in terms of how we view athletes who cheat at a sport versus athletes that do other things. And I don't know. I have a lot of like thoughts on that that I'll probably save for another day. But oh. I think that, um, you know, it's it's great to have him back. That first pitch, he swung like his entire life was very good. He literally falls forward after the swing. It was like, all right, yeah, he's back, I guess. Doesn't make any contact. I think he did. I think he fouled it off. And it was just funny. Like, he nearly swung out of his shoes. And then he ends up having a, a bad first game. Um, 0 for 5 with two strikeouts. One ground out that went really hard. It was the second hardest hit ball that night. But then, uh, you know, in the outfield makes a nice play as well later on in the game in right field. But uh, for the most part, not much in his debut. And I talked about on my show that it was a little insulting that Yahoo Sports, the headline notification was Tatis awful in first game back. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't appreciate that adjective. Awful. You could say hitless. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You could say goes hitless in first game. I get it. But awful? Who was writing that headline? Was it Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers? I don't know. I, I, I might have to have some uh, inquiries there. But yeah, man, absolutely thrilled to have him back. And, you know, in this series, he also hits his first home run of the year. A little bit, you know, barely gets out um, to an extent. But still, bottom line is just seeing it is, is rad. And just seeing him out of base paths. The thrill ultra factor hasn't kicked in for him just yet. But it is the first series and just seeing him get those kind of uh, moments out of the way is really cool. Yeah, and I want the D-backs to spoil the return of Tati so badly. One, because I don't like the San Diego Padres, of course. And two, is just because you looked at some of those players in the lineup, they were struggling. And I was scared yeah. maybe Tati's coming back could be that spark plug in that lineup for the Sotos, the Machados of the world. And I think we did see this Padres offense wake up a little bit in this series, which some um, a couple of seven-run score ball games and get some instant offense early in these games as well, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm a little bit scared of what it can mean for the rest of the season. I mean, of course, I never picked the D-backs to win the division, even though they're leading it right now. I don't think that's going to last. I think the Padres will probably win this division. But the rest of the division, I mean, I think I'm a little cooled off on the Dodgers. Maybe we could talk about the rest of the NOS a little bit later. Yeah, because you sit a Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman down in that lineup, you're like, it gets thin really quickly in that Dodgers lineup. So maybe we should talk a little bit about the NOS later. But I do want to hit on some Soto, Machado, and their struggles to start the season, Javi. But before Mm -hmm. we even get there, because we love to do an ad read, and AJ Preller, some would call him the ultimate baseball GM Mm -hmm. because he was able to put all these superstars Mm. on the field. But to me, I mean, Mike Hayes and doing it the homegrown way would really be the ultimate baseball GM. But if you, the listener, wants to be the ultimate baseball GM, then you need to download the Pro Baseball GM app because it's the coolest game I've played in a long time. I've always thought I could be a great Major League GM. And as it turns out, it's not all that easy. If you've had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own franchise, go and download Pro Go and download Pro Baseball GM immediately. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing through difficult personalities and injuries, navigating your franchise through free agency, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Right now, I got my Phoenix Pirates going up against the other locked-on hosts, and I think right now I'm taking down 
Locked On Padres host Javier Reyes in the Pro Baseball GM app. So right now, Locked On Diamondbacks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit ProBaseballGM.com, scan the code, or look it up on the App Store. That's ProBaseballGM.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. Let's get back into the podcast and let's talk a little about a little bit about some of those Padres hitters, Javi, because <laughs> this series, uh, you know, they seem to heat up a little bit with the Sotos and the Machado of the world, but really slow starts for them. And I first want to start with Juan Soto because this is someone who kind of has a contract situation looming over his head. And he's someone that like in the preseason, I picked to win MVP this year because I think sometimes when you see new stars in new places like a Lindor, sometimes that first year you struggle a little bit. Nolan Arenado, mm. I think, struggled a little bit. And Sometimes in that mm-hmm. second year, that's when you really start to pop. So I thought this was going to be a huge explosion year for Juan Soto. But it's like he's played, I think, near 80 games now with the San Diego Padres. The numbers really haven't been that pretty. And I'm just like, what's been up with Juan Soto? Is the contract putting too much pressure on him? Do you see something in the numbers? Is he chasing pitches? Like, what's going on with this guy? There's a lot of things. I don't think that there's an immediate thing that jumps out because if you want to look at just how hard he's hitting the ball, he's still hitting the ball as hard as ever. I was at a game in which he hit a ball 450 feet uh, against the Mets and it hit the city field sign. That was rad. Um, and he's still walking a lot, but the strikeout rate has spiked, which is weird. Uh, this is a guy who typically walks in more than he strikes out obviously the batting average is a big um, scare the splits between righties and lefties isn't great he's hitting more infield fly balls than he ever has and it's it's just weird and it's I've heard a lot of different things for it. he's aware of this problem clearly but they say could it be the pitch clock is throwing him off a little bit you don't see much of the shoto shuffle you know what I mean that he does you haven't <laughs> seen it the same way anymore you know he has voices uh, somewhat displeasure with where he's placed in the back, uh, the batting lineup every now and then. So it's just weird, but it's, it's gotten to the point where I still think Juan Soto is a above average to amazing uh, offensive player. I headed into the year being like, I think this is just going to be a defense thing. Is he going to be a good defensive player? That's what could hold him back from winning the MVP. The way his you know win total wasn't great for last year because he was like the worst qualified outfielder uh, in terms of defense and whatnot. So I, I thought that that could hamper him. I just thought he was going to kind of figure it out. All projection models are having this guy. He was the lead um, odds guy for FanDuel uh, for National League MVP. And it's just, it's weird. He's swinging and missing at more pitches in the middle of the zone than usual. It's just not great. Uh, The big thing about him is that the peak power is there and that the walk rate is there. And you still saw that a little bit in this series, but you also saw a lot of strikeouts. So I don't know. It's not an easily verifiable kind of problem to understand. And I think that it's really frustrating because if there was ever a guy to be traded for that has literally all the resume, this is not a guy who just had a one-year wonder. He's been good for four years, including his rookie season. He's been amazing, right? Like they, they call him Ted Williams for a reason. And he, heck, he even wins a world series. He even wins the home run derby. I'm pretty sure there. So there was a, no more of a slam dunk guy to trade for in theory than soda. And maybe because of divine intervention with bad luck and the curse 
I don't know which curse, but a curse of some sort that maybe I'm not familiar with uh, is just haunting the Padres right now. It's it's rough to see. I don't. I think that it might just be a timing thing. I think he's way too talented to be kept down for this long. But it's concerning, man, because this is not just a oh he just got here, you know, like like say if, if this was what Xander Bogarts was going through right now, that mm-hmm. would make more sense to me because shortstop you brought up Lindor before his first year with the Mets, moving from American League with the Guardians with him to the National League, and then you know. Bogarts from Red Sox, the Padres. Maybe he struggles a little bit in his first season. I thought that that was what was going to happen uh, between the two um, for sure. But so far, what's been the big thing now is like, look, I would love, I guess, to extend him. But this 500 million, 14, 18 year thing, it feels like that's really been put on pause because he's just been really inconsistent. And every time you think he's going to go out there and like that was the hit that gets him started. He comes back the next day and hits some ground outs, hits some infield fly balls, like I mentioned before. So not great all around for Mr. Soto. Yeah, and it's so weird because he was crushing it in Washington, of course. You look at the last couple of years, like who who was mm-hmm. surrounding him in that lineup. It's like Josh Bell is like the go-to guy protecting him in the lineup. Then he comes over to San Diego. You got all these studs surrounding you with the Machados, the Tatises, the Bogarts, Cronenworth is good. Like the lineup surrounding Soto should make it so much easier on him. And I wonder if he's pressing a little bit just because um, because he should be seeing way better pitchers that he's seeing in San Diego as opposed to what he was seeing when he was in Washington. So the fact that he hasn't really executed or like taken advantage of the situation is just so weird because when you watch him at the plate, like he's still a menacing guy. He's still someone that holds like a great presence to him and you feel like he's going to crush it 450 feet whenever he gets the barrel to the ball because a lot of the advanced numbers with him like you said like the walk rate still there every hard contact hard hit percentage exit velo is still right there from this season and last season with what his career averages so you wonder if he's ever going to get some positive regression to the mean because it's just so weird right now but do you think there's any hesitation like if this did continue for Soto throughout the season, maybe finishes with like a 250 average, a 720 OPS, and you're like, okay, now we got a year and a half of Soto looking down. Do you think there is a hesitation with AJ Preller in that front office to give him a massive contract? Because they did give up the hall and the farm to go get him. Like, if Soto's like, I want my eight years, 300 and whatever million, can you really say, as the Padres franchise, like, no, we're not going to do that? It's been one of the things I've talked about on my show a lot. I am on the record for thinking they did not need to do that trade. And consider, and I also did not realize, granted, I didn't know that Xander Bogarts was going to be signed during the summer. But you have to wonder, the Padres are like, you know, considering all that you gave up, what if you kept all those assets and then you sign Xander Bogarts in the summer? Or let's pretend it's just another grade. Maybe they get Jose Abreu. I don't know, whatever. But the, the willingness to spend was still there. And I didn't quite realized that they were ready to do another big deal with Xander. I thought that they were just going to sign some really good free agents, but not someone of his caliber. Um, Would you rather have done that? You just get Xander and then you say, all right, we got CJ Abrams. We got Mackenzie Gore, who's looked good for the Nationals. James Wood, who's like a top three prospect for a lot of people in baseball. He could be the next Corbin Carroll, except power oriented and not speed oriented. But that that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're looking at. And maybe, okay, you want to boost up the team. Maybe you trade one of those guys. You don't have to trade the entire farm for one guy. And I think that it's a viable question and that it's, it's tough. And I think that there might be some hesitancy for sure. Um, I think they just want to see him do it as a Padre before they hand out that big deal um, for sure. And I think that I've always been hesitant because I just, the idea of having four guys 
that are under contract for 10 years is just a little daunting to me. Tatis for 14, Xander for 11, Manny for 11, then what's Soto going to get, 16? Like, it's just it's just freaky. And I know that, yes, in theory, but this is what we do as baseball fans sometimes. The, the, the freakalytics analytics crowd gets in and they do a little bit too much projecting based off of data. And I just think that you never know what's going to change. You know, he's not hitting as well, I think, against breaking pitches this year. Like, nobody probably necessarily saw that coming, right? Like, so it's just not – it's weird. It's weird. It, it, it's it's very weird what's going on here. But I'm hesitant. Um, if it was in a vacuum, I would be like, all right, like, let's get this done. You know what I'm saying? But since you have Manny and Tatis and Xander, usually when you have three stars, my thing is let's build up the tertiary pieces. Let's have some more controllable young players. That's usually my thing. If they did not have those guys, oh, I'm all in. I would never have voice concern about the trade. I'd be like, go do it. You need a superstar. Uh, but that's he hasn't been that. So it's it's the biggest question uh, for Padres fans and Padres Twitter and Padres lore, whatever you want to call it right now. So I don't know. I hope they figure it out, and I hope he figures it out. Um, and it instead of just being a very good player, he's got to be that MVP guy that everyone's expecting. Yeah, maybe he just got some internal conflict that he's yeah. dealing with right now that's, you know, leading to these problems at the plate. And if you're someone that's like dealing with their internal conflict right now and you just need to talk it out with someone, then maybe you need to go check out Better Help because getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're growing and changing. And if you've benefited from therapy in the past, then BetterHelp is definitely something that could be beneficial for you. Because if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charges. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on M-O-B. And also, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to try the best tasting protein bar ever built. Because if you're like me and you want to make a healthier snack choice but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got something for you. Built Bars, because Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. And seriously, they taste so amazing because they're covered in 100% dark chocolate. That's right. Real dark chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. It's low calorie. It's low sugar. It's high protein. It's high fiber. It's so good for you. And now you don't just have to go to Built.com to get a bar, to get a box. You can also go to a local Walmart or Sam's Club <clears> while they still have flavors. That's right, Javi. <clears throat> Mm, so they got so many flavors. Javi, do you ever go to flavor that you like to get? Cherry Barcia, man. It's my thing. Oh. It's always with my jam. Love it. Love oh. it. Love it. In his jam for, I think, four seasons now. So go get that Cherry Barcia from Walmart or Sam's Club. Get a box of Puff Bars. Get the cookie and cream bar. Like, whatever you want. Get you a box of Built Bars and thank me later. Right. Let's close that ad read. Boom, boom. Okay, Javi, I do have a random question for you on the heels of the Soto discussion because I don't know if it's ever mm -hmm. happened. Before. 
before. Not really a baseball where it's like someone gets a tr- uh, gets acquired at one trade deadline, like a superstar player, and then gets flipped the next trade deadline. But after the Padres this past offseason, they did sign Xander Bogarts. I mean, if you have Bogarts, Tatis, and Manny Machado, it's not like you're not going to have a core of really good players. And we know the farm system all of a sudden now is a little bit more thin than it has been for the Padres in the past. Would it be crazy for AJ probably to say, you know what? The Juan Soto experiment hasn't worked out. Let me go flip him for some prospects. So, you know what? Let's go get really crazy and let's do a Juan Soto for Otani deal. Let's do Juan Soto for another (laughs) established star. I don't know, but maybe go Juan Soto shopping and see what kind of fish you can net. Could you imagine that at this year's deadline trading Juan Soto for? I don't even know who does know there i like i actually don't know who says no i think i think the angels don't i don't i don't know because otani also has that blockbuster thing that owners are like oh my god everyone's gonna watch our games just because of this guy so i don't know but look it's i think it would just because of how much they gave up they're just gonna have to stick it out um but that would be a really disappointing finish for you to stick it out if he's not good too and you're just like well, that was weird. There goes the farm, but they're going for it. So the only thing that would make sense is for them to trade for guys that they can use now. So that's why the, the Otani trade would actually make more sense, I think, than trading it back for prospects. Um, unless it's like no take back sees. <laughs> like they just go to the Nationals and they're like, hey, you want to you want to just bring that one back? Uh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. I don't know if that would ever um, be possible, if that would ever happen. But it would be interesting uh, to just uh, trade no. Juan Soto and flip him a year after acquiring him at the trade deadline. It's a but, fun fantasy. Yeah, Marvel Studios. What if? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if the Padres traded Soto for Otani? That's kind of the the vibe for it. But hey, I mean, despite all the complaining we've done about uh, Soto, especially on my part, like there was still so much about this series that was great for the pods. I have to brag about it a little bit. Um, the only thing that was rough for them is Soto and Machado and then Nabil Krizmat and Luis Garcia looking yeah. like two really awful like relievers who have regressed pretty pretty badly. I'm more surprised about Garcia. I think that his stuff is really good. Krizmat, I think the league has just kind of caught on to him. I think he used too much off-speed stuff and the league is just kind of catching up to him. But, you know, thankfully, they've had some other guys step up like Steven Wilson and... Brent Honeywell, who got hit for two home runs, but he'd been good before then. Uh, he's he stepped up. You have Josh Hader. Hopefully, you get some other guys back. And the return of Joe Musgrove, a guy oh. who threw a no-hitter against the Rangers, famously. And then, later on that year, in a start that Joe Musgrove had, the Diamondbacks no-hit the Padres. It was just like, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It's just the, the, the Diamondbacks love throwing out. I'm telling you. Sometimes you the D-backs specifically can throw out a, a double-A starter and they will silence the Padres. It's it's literally happened <laughs> twice before, so I don't know what that was. But uh, just for, in terms of the rest of the game, I mean, it was it's really cool that despite the Soto stuff that you're hopefully having other contributors. Xander has been like third in F4, I think, this year. He's been awesome. Love that. Love to see your player that you spent a lot of money on give you that immediate return on investment. And Matt Carpenter, 150 WRC plus this year. He's, his batting average isn't all that high, but he's walking a lot and he swings that bat like like a lumberjack, man. Like he's just yeah. rooping that thing. And it's it's really awesome to see. And it's been cool that between Cruz and him, one of them is off 
then the other one steps up. And that's okay because they're both DHs usually and they take turns in the lineup. So that's been really, really helpful. So started off with Carpenter and then it went to Nelson Cruz and now it's back to Carpenter. He had a home run uh, and drove in five uh, in yesterday's game, which was really rad or today's game, depending on when people are are listening to. So really, really cool stuff, Miller. I, I really appreciate uh, Matt Carpenter and whatnot. And the return of Joe Musgrove is the other story that we didn't talk about that much. Um, yeah. And I think that the last the thing I want to also kick it over to you is I think that this was kind of the the like I said, look, so much was cool. The Padres finally Hassan Kim hit with clutch, uh, had mm-hmm. some clutch summers, some amazing defensive plays as well. Basically, the upside of this Padres team was shown with the exception of Manny and Soto and then those two relievers. And then also, if the Padres fans, you were told that the one game they would get trounced in was the Zach Gallon start. Yeah, that about tracks. He was awesome. And I wonder, like. You know, what's the vibe about him right now? What's kind of the is he a sneaky Cy Young guy? What's going on with Zach Allen? Because I know that that dude, as we've talked about on this show before, the most even sided trade with Jazz Chisholm, possibly that's literally ever happened that I could think of. It's it's just it's just remarkable uh, for sure. Yeah, with Zach Allen, it shouldn't even be sneaky anymore. I mean, he finished fourth in Cy Young voting last year. In three of the last four seasons, I think he's had a sub-three ERA. Like, outside 2021, this guy has been flat out just phenomenal and one of the best Mm -hmm. pitchers in Major League Baseball. He had that scoreless inning streak last year of, like, 45 straight innings without giving up an earned run. He's on another scoreless inning streak right now of, like, 22 and a third straight um, innings without giving up an earned run. So Zach Allen, more than sneaky and maybe the favorite right now in the very, very, very early NL Cy Young Award race. Maybe he should be the favorite right now in the race. But Javi, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Did want to ask you real quick just about maybe Manny Machado. What's going on with him? Why has he been struggling so much? I mean, he, he hasn't really been doing too much at the plate. Did he get paid? And then he's like, you know what? It's good. I'm ready to call it quits. I got my money. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's a fair. It's a fair question. It's rude, but it's very fair. Um, look, we got some. Hey, I'll tell you, we got some great um, defense for both Josh Rojas and May Machado this yeah, weekend. Some yeah. really nice catch. So we got some third place, third place, third base wizardry from both those guys. But with Machado, uh, about when people are listening to this, if you're listening to my show's uh, recording of it, uh, a piece over at Just Baseball I just put out about May Machado's slow start. I think that in general. Um, to sum up that piece, which I realize is probably not the best way to get people to go read it, but whatever. Um, I think he was just so aggressive these past two years at the plate. Um, his outside zone percentage was up a lot each year. And I think he was aggressive because he knew um, with all the rest of turmoil, especially last year, that like he had to be the guy. You know what I mean? You had Tatis on suspension. Um, in 2021, a lot of guys didn't produce as much, so he started swinging more aggressively. And then last year, he started swinging on the first pitch more, which resulted in part of his big MVP finish. But it might have some of those numbers might have been inflated a little bit by luck. So I, I, what I basically think is he got really aggressive these past two years, and the the baseball gods are like, all right, now you got to pay up. You know what I mean? That that batting average on balls in play uh, was a little bit lucky for you. So I think that now he's he's paying for it and has to kind of get back to normal because he hasn't been walking a lot and yeah, it's totally reasonable. And also in fairness, he's had slow starts before. So I think the way I would read it now is if you were worried, if you were expecting the seven war second and MVP should have finished first uh, type of Manny Machado, 
then I think you should be concerned. But if you're like a, I think he's just going to be a four to five win player, play gold glove defense, be really awesome for this team. He doesn't need to be the seven win guy. You've got two other guys that can do that. Then that I wouldn't be panicking about. You know what I'm saying? So if you're, if you're expecting that like peak Manny year, doesn't seem like it's going to be this year. Could happen later. I don't know. At age 33, you never know with this godforsaken sport called Paul, blah, blah, blah. Paul Goldschmidt looked like he was just going to be an average or like a pretty above average first baseman. Then he won the MVP last year, right? After he yeah. left the left the D-backs. He had his first year with the wow. Cardinals, which was fine. And then Hard he you know, blew up the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look, you got to do it sometimes, man. You got to, it, it helps my point. I'm not trying to be mean, uh, but it's, it, that's just kind of what it is with Manny. And uh, so I think it's, it's all based on expectations. I think so. Yeah. Uh, if you're yeah, that for Manny, that I'd be a little, you know, worried. Well, in the fantasy league, I commish Javi that you're also in. I drafted him <laughs> in the second round coming off his great season last year. So I had very high expectations and I'm about mm-hmm. to go 0-3 in part because this man has not come through for me. And I usually need just a few more points and a nice Emmanuel Machado could have been the cherry on top to take me over the top. But before we wrap up here today, Javi, do you want to get I'm any good that final? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before we wrap up today, Javi, do you, because we've had this running bit going with one of your favorite favorite pitchers in Major League Baseball, Madison Bumgarner. Mm. He's no longer on the team. Do you want to get any final farewells in before this podcast? Oh, man. Look, I am so happy. I'm so, first of all, I must say, I don't know if you mentioned it to your listeners. Billard messaged in our Locked On MLB group chat thing. As the news, I got the notification that he got sent down. And then I was like, oh, man, what's his reaction going to be? And I was thinking of texting him. And then too late, he just goes rejoice in all caps. Like he was a, like a, a Bible verse. Like he was just like, I was like, bro, like it was like Easter was like two weekends ago. This, this was Miller's Easter apparently. Right. Uh, yeah. And he gets demoted and look, I've long hated Madison Bumgarner. It's him and Joe Kelly have long been my enemies. Um, and for good reason, he's super talented, but in terms of a guy who signed a contract, um, there's been a lot of bad ones before Carl Crawford, right? Mm-hmm. He was pretty bad. There's probably some other Eric Hosmer of my team was pretty bad, but yeah. I mean, just not even remotely close to what they thought they were getting. Not even for a year, right? Like yeah. this isn't even like say um, Corbin on the nationals, right? That guy at mm-hmm. least was good for them for like a year or two. Um, and yeah. then he became, you know, what he is now, which is kind of the butt of every joke, but at least he was good for the first couple of years and they won a world series. Madison Bumgarner is terrible, and he just gives meatballs down the middle all the time. And I've long hated him because he is the face for me for so long of the unwritten rule BS, this really toxic baseball culture thing. Uh, And that's what I'm always going to remember him for. I know others will remember him for the Giants run. He was incredible there, but I'll always remember him as being that dude who evilized anyone who dares to celebrate doing well off him. I'll give him credit. At least he's not being hypocritical and celebrating himself in obnoxious ways, but he looks at people. Will Myers, at the times we've played each other, he does the little thing afterwards with the little mini flip or whatever, and Bumgarner looks at him as he walks around the thing. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Jump. Go ahead. What are you going to do? Throw another meatball down the middle of the next guy? How about we celebrate and take your your glove away from you next time? We're going to paint something on your locker room. So I'm glad he's off the team. And I just – I remember last year he had a, 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 um, a conference or whatever. He was interviewed after a game. And the way that he used his language, which was like, you know, well, I guess, you know, these days, I guess, you know, things aren't like that anymore. Like – just a little bit charged language. I don't have the direct quote in front of me. I'm like, I know what you're kind of referencing. 
I'm not going to say what I want to say right now, but you know, that's, that's what Madison Bumgarner has always meant to me. Uh, whether it be against Myers, whether it be against, you know, the late Jose Fernandez, who had a home run off of him and literally sparked the fight because he dared to look at the pitch that he just hit. Right. So I'm glad he's gone. And for the D-back sake, addition by subtraction. I really oh, think yeah. that that's what's possible here. This isn't a guy who was, you know, average. This isn't a guy who was just meh. No, this is a guy who actively 5.7 ERA or whatever he had. Just really, really rough. So who knows? Give some another kid a chance and maybe, um, you know, it'll help them out in the long run for this season. Yeah. Everyone over here is happy. Worst ERA in D-backs franchise history, 5.2. <laughs> And yeah, before the season ended, a 10.2 ERA this year before being DFA. He has been absolutely atrocious. I think he might have had the worst starting pitcher ERA of all qualified starters since signing with the D backs. It's been a rough ride, and we're happy the roller coaster ride of just going straight down. It was one of those roller coaster rides you were always waiting to go up for the drop. No, you're just going down the whole time. Or maybe you were always going up and there was never a drop. Whichever way you want to ride the roller coaster, you're only going in one direction. So uh, glad to see the the ride is finally over. Javier Reyes of Locked On Padres, where can the listeners find you online? Uh, you could find me at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Uh, if you don't like the very dumb tweets I've had lately. I know Miller is probably familiar with them. Very dumb mm-hmm. stuff lately, but I see. Uh, if you want, yeah, he's a cosign. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> if you want um, just uh, Padres live tweets at LO underscore Padres, and if you want to see the video for the show, Locked On Padres, and if you want to check out my writing, just baseball. Uh, cool website. So, yeah, folks, just a, a get right yeah. series for the pods. Really good vibes, and hopefully they can continue it. Yep. Miller Thomas, host of Locked on Dimebacks at Creator Thomas 24. If you want to follow me on Twitter or look up Locked on Dimebacks, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube as well. Javier Reyes will catch you, I guess, maybe in August when our two teams face off again. See you next time, brother.